Welcome to the Tao of Christ. This is Marshall Davis. The Tao of Christ is the podcast which explores the mystical, intuitive, and contemplative side of Christianity. In particular, it explores Christian non-duality or non-dualism, otherwise called the unitive life or union with God. In the most recent episodes of this podcast, I have been giving some informal teachings on Christian non-duality. Because scripture is important to Christians, I have been showing how scripture communicates this non-dual awareness. In other words, how it facilitates our awakening to our unity with God and with his creation. Today I'm going to be talking about those passages of scripture called apocalyptic or apocalypse. Those passages that describe the end of the world as we know it and the events leading up to it. It's a type of literature filled with symbols and images. This type of literature became popular in the 2nd century BC and continued through the 2nd century AD. It is represented in the Christian Bible in the second half of the book of Daniel in the Old Testament, which was written in the 2nd century BC, and the book of Revelation in the New Testament, written at the end of the 1st century. We also have an apocalyptic passage in in the first three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, reportedly spoken by Jesus. It's a passage known as the Olivet Discourse. Eschatology, that is the study of the end times, has become very popular in Christian circles in recent decades, especially in the last part of the 20th century, and it continues in the 21st century. When I first became a Christian in the early 1970s, the book The Late Great Planet Earth by Hal Lindsey had just been published. It linked events that were happening in the news to passages in the Bible. It was very exciting. I believed it all at the time. I thought Jesus was returning soon. A whole series of books, the Left Behind series, was written by Tim LaHaye and Jerry Jenkins about this. Sixteen of these books were published in all, followed by movies, the most recent in 2014. The idea that the end of the world is coming soon, involving a rapture of believers and a great tribulation and an antichrist, is very popular. I still have Christians asking me if I believe we are living in the end times and whether Jesus is coming soon. The prevalence and power of this apocalyptic worldview cannot be underestimated and influences American foreign policy toward Israel because Israel is said to have a role to play in these scenarios. But the evangelicals and the fundamentalists, those who calculate dates and make charts of the end times, have it wrong. Apocalypse is not about the physical end of the world and the physical return of Jesus to earth to set up a physical kingdom. It has to do with spiritual awareness. It is about awakening to the eternal reality behind this shadow play that we call human history. The Greek word for apocalypse or revelation in the New Testament is apocalypsis. It means unveiling. It's a word picture about drawing back a veil to reveal something that has been hidden. That is exactly what happens when one awakens to the reality of God to the divine oneness which is God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. That is the Shema of ancient Israel from the book of Deuteronomy and is arguably the most important verse in the Old Testament. It proclaims the oneness of God and of all creation. All is one. That is reality. Everything is rooted in the oneness of God 
and springs from divine unity. The phenomenal physical universe emerges from divine being like plants springing from the ground. That is what Jesus meant when he told his parable of the growing seed. That's what the kingdom of God is like. God is hiding in plain sight in all that is. God shines through all that is. The material world is like translucent fabric composed of time and space. God is shining through it all like light shining through cloth. All it takes is a shift in perspective to focus one's eyes beyond the veil and see what is beyond. Then there is an unveiling, an apocalypsis, an apocalypse, and the fabric of this temporal reality is rolled up like a scroll, as the book of Revelation describes it, and reality is revealed. The essential unity which is manifested in this diversity is unveiled. When the universe is seen through, then it drops away. Heavenly bodies move from their places. The light of the moon and the sun dim in the light of the glory of God. History, including our lives, is seen as a whole. History is revealed as a play already written and performed by actors who for the most part are ignorant of the roles they play. History is a phantasm of images and events and people, all of which proclaims the goodness, unity, and love of God. Evil is what lurks in the shadows of this play and is temporarily hidden from the light. We are the characters, but it's all God. All is one. I began reading through the New Testament recently, again for the umpteenth time, reading one chapter a day during my morning devotions, Recently, I came to the 13th chapter of the Gospel of Mark, known to scholars as the Little Apocalypse, also the, known as the Olivet Discourse that I just mentioned. It has parallels in the Gospels of Mark, of Matthew, and Luke. It's one of several places in the Bible that uses apocalyptic language to speak of the end of the world as we know it. The kingdom of heaven breaks into history, foreshadowed by and accompanied with cataclysmic events that is ushered in by a heavenly figure known as the Son of Man, which Christians later came to identify as the second coming of Christ. In Mark chapter 13, Jesus foresees the coming war with the Romans and the destruction of the city of Jerusalem and the temple and the great suffering which the inhabitants would have to endure. And then Jesus says this, but in those days, after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will be falling from heaven, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. And then they will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of heaven. From the fig tree learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. 
That is Mark 13, 24-31. Now there's a lot more to this little apocalypse in this little section that I just read, and I encourage you to read the whole chapter for yourself. But this is the conclusion, the most dramatic part. And it has led many scholars to think that Jesus was, first and foremost, an apocalyptic prophet. Some say he was a failed apocalyptic prophet because the final eschatological event of the coming of the Son of Man, which he talks about, did not happen within that generation as he said it would, if you take him literally. According to the parallel passage in Matthew, he makes it clear that all these events would happen within the lifetime of his hearers. He says, Truly I say to you, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Now, if we had to take Jesus' words as literally referring to physical events, that would mean that Jesus got it wrong. The events surrounding the destruction of Jerusalem certainly happened, but the authors of the Gospels already knew that because they wrote after those events. But the cosmic apocalyptic events that Jesus describes here did not happen if you take those literally. And if there's one thing that evangelicals and fundamentalists insist on, it is taking the Bible literally. If they didn't happen, that would make Jesus a false prophet according to the Old Testament where it says in Deuteronomy 18, when a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the word does not come to pass or come true, that is a word that the Lord has not spoken. That prophet has spoken presumptuously. Now, such a thought is literally unthinkable for Christians. So for 2,000 years, Christians have employed clever hermeneutics to explain away Jesus' prediction. Something Jesus is talking about lunar and solar eclipses and meteor showers, which are natural events, but were always seen as omens by the ancients. And clearly, when one reads the words that immediately precede this, he is talking about the destruction of the city of Jerusalem by the Roman armies in the year 70 AD. So you, if you want to, you can search the astronomical record for such heavenly occurrences, and maybe that's what it's all about. End of story. But most people think Jesus is talking about more than that, cosmic events. He talks about the heavens and the earth passing away, and the appearance of the Son of Man. And when you get into the book of Revelation, especially in the closing chapters of Revelation, you find the same sort of thing, and they, you can't make them refer to natural events. I think they are talking about spiritual reality. The apocalypse which means unveiling, is a reality now. It is not about the future that is predicted and deciphered by reading charts and newspaper headlines. It is about now, the eternal now, as Paul Tillich called it. The spiritual unveiling of this reality began in Jesus' life and ministry and has been happening for many of his disciples ever since at least for those with eyes to see and ears to hear, which is a favorite expression of Jesus. But as I read this passage, as I read it again recently in the Gospel of Mark, it made sense to me. The images communicated the unveiling of the kingdom of God to me. I have witnessed what Jesus describes in this passage. 
It is talking about what people call non-dual awareness. When eyes are open to reality, the universe transforms. It ends as we know it. It dissolves. The heavens and the earth pass away. The facade of the universe is rolled back to reveal the true. The Son of Man appears, and we are caught up together in him. What Jesus was describing in these dramatic passages was not the end of history or the end of the physical universe, but a spiritual awakening to the true nature of the universe. In that sense, it is an end and a new beginning. Apocalypse is a way of seeing. It is mystic sight. It is spiritual seeing of what always is. Now, awakening seems to happen at a moment in time, a moment in history to us who see ourselves as separate individuals moving in history. I think that's why Jesus talks about it in terms of happening in time. He says at the end of the chapter, But concerning that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father, be on guard, keep awake, for you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey. When he leaves home and puts his servants in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to keep awake. Therefore stay awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening or at midnight, or when the rooster crows or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. Awakening can happen suddenly. You don't know when. Any time we can suddenly see what is always present, our eyes can be open to what we could not see before. It's timeless, but appears to happen in time. That is why Jesus says, but concerning that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father, be on guard, therefore keep awake, for you do not know when the time will come. And he repeatedly says in this passage, Awake, or stay awake, or keep awake. Different translations put it differently. Sometimes this Greek word that's used here is translated watch. It can also mean awake, wake up, awaken. It's an imperative here, a command. Wake up. Jesus is talking about awakening. But it can also happen gradually. And that's why in this passage he talks about the fig tree. He says, from the fig tree learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near at the very gates. So this awakening can ha happen suddenly and unexpectedly, or it can be an unfolding preceded by signs and not signs in the sky, or that can be reported in the newspapers, or reported by television news anchor people or by prophecy teachers on TV. But it's signs that are spiritually perceived in our lives. Things start to change in our lives and in our thinking and our perception slowly and imperceptibly at first. And then reality blooms into our awareness. 
Jesus was not an apocalyptic prophet, prophet predicting cataclysmic events happening on the world stage in history, although he did seem to accurately predict the Roman destruction of Jerusalem, including the temple. But Jeremiah predicted the same thing in his day. But that aspect is not really the most important part of his little apocalypse or any apocalypse, including the book of Revelation. What is important is the revelation, the unveiling of the eternal behind the physical. Jesus was not a wild-eyed, bearded prophet wearing a placard proclaiming the end of the world like you see in the cartoons. He was a visionary and mystic who could see what others do not see. He could see the kingdom of God spread abroad on the earth. and He proclaimed it, and he invites us to share his vision. So he tells us to awake, wake up to the reality that is all around us. This is my experience and my understanding of the apocalyptic teachings of Jesus. That is the Tao of Christ for this week. Thank you for listening. You can always find me on the TheDaoOfChrist.com. You can respond to anything that you have heard me say here. You can respond on my Facebook page that I started recently called The Tao of Christ. You can find my blog, Spiritual Reflections, and a link to my books at MarshallDavis.us. I hope you join me next time for another episode of the Tao of Christ.